The following audio is from Shiloh Presbyterian Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. More information about Shiloh Presbyterian Church is available at shilohopc.org. Luke 24:33 through 45. Now you notice that verse 45 ends in a comma. I'm aware of that. It does not end in a comma in all translations. The punctuation is not inspired, so don't don't get nervous. And I'll try to help not get nervous. Beginning at verse 33, let us hear God's word. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet that it is I myself, touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, and while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And thus far we read the word of God. Please be seated. Let's pray together. God, our Father, great and mighty Lord of the universe, Lord of history, we pray you will open our hearts and ears this evening. Let us hear beautiful words, wonderful words of life. Help us by your spirit to hear our great prophet Jesus speaking to us, giving us grace and strength. And we pray, God, that you will turn our thoughts away from ourselves and toward you. Move us away from our sins and to the obedience of faith. And Lord Jesus, our good shepherd, refresh us, nourish us, feed us, for we are weak and needy sheep. Amen. So we're back where we left off this morning, and the two disciples who, were, who met Jesus on the road to Emmaus are mentioned here as we begin this text, and they want to share what they've experienced with the apostles, so they're going to go back to Jerusalem. It's been a long day, a busy day. And a lot has happened, and they are anxious to share with the apostles. And the apostles are anxious to share with them, too. But it's late in the evening. 
Their eyes had been opened to see Jesus. And this text is a lot like the one before. And I thought about, actually I didn't. I mean, later I thought about it, but at first I didn't. because The text is, this story is so long that to deal with, with each verse and what it means, you have to break it up somewhere. And so I did. And so having broken it up, a lot of the emphases are the same, but there's some nuances that are different for this evening. Jesus accommodates the lack of faith in his followers by his mercy and grace. He doesn't want us to doubt, but he helps us with that doubt and gives us grace to believe. So we see this again in this text this evening. His disciples doubted. They were hesitant. He worked with them. He continued to be patient with them. I doubt that any any of us speak for myself. I doubt that I know I haven't had that kind of patience. It's difficult when your students, as a teacher, when your students are not learning, they're not paying attention. They're not growing as you want them to grow. Jesus has patience. He had patience with them. He has patience with us as well. And we're grateful. He doesn't give up on us. So this evening we think about doubting hearts and opened minds. We have doubting hearts and the Lord opens our minds. He he helps us. He lifts us up. He won't allow us to continue in doubt. And I was thinking about shorter catechism question 24. We had a good one earlier about effectual calling. Shorter Catechism 24 asks, How doth Christ execute the office of a prophet? Christ executeth the office of a prophet in revealing to us by his word and spirit the will of God for our salvation. Our great prophet is Jesus. He uses the word and spirit to reveal to us our salvation and the whole counsel of God. When a man called of God preaches the word of God accurately, the Lord Jesus Christ himself is speaking to us. And we are grateful that he does. By his spirit, he's giving us the truth. And we need to receive it and act on it in faith. So tonight, doubting hearts opened minds under these three headings. First of all, a question, why doubt? Why doubt? Secondly, an exhortation, believe the words. Believe the words of the Lord Jesus and of the scripture. Thirdly, Jesus opened their minds. He opened their minds to understand. First of all, why doubt in verses 33 through 43? The two disciples went back to Jerusalem to the apostles in verse 33. That same hour, just when Jesus had eaten with them and vanished from their sight, that very hour, 
They went back to Jerusalem, having been there earlier in the day, having gone home to Emmaus. Now they're going back to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles. And verse 33 says the 11, Judas, of course, had left the group. But actually we find in the Gospel of John that Thomas was not with them at that time. So doing the math, there were actually only 10. But the 11 was equivalent to the apostles, just like previous to Judas' desertion. The 12 was equivalent to the apostles. So in, if you want to do the math, there were 10. And there they were, and the two, two disciples entered the room, and they're just dying to burst out and tell the apostles what happened and the other believers there. But before they can speak, verse 34, that group speaks to them. And they say, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. So they kind of stole their thunder. But they got their chance. And so in verse 35, they told the apostles about what had happened to them on the road to Emmaus, the apostles and the other believers. Then Jesus appeared to them in verse 36, all this group together there in Jerusalem. In his resurrection body, he appeared and he moved about freely in that resurrection body. In fact, John 20 verse 19 tells us the doors were locked in the room where they met. The doors were locked But Jesus came in, and this resurrected body had properties that his his unresurrected body did not have. So he came and met with them. And he addressed them in verse 36, and he said, Peace to you. That was, of course, a normal greeting at that time that even other people used, normal people besides Jesus used. But it was more than a greeting. It was the bestowal of peace upon them. It was like the benediction or the greeting in our worship services. An actual blessing is given to us as the minister announces those words from the Lord. We benefit from that. We receive from that. Well, in verse 37, the the disciples were startled and frightened and thought they had seen a spirit. They were in desperate need of this appearance, but they didn't understand it yet. And it was partly a physical thing because his body was different. But it was more than a physical thing. They didn't grasp it. So Jesus identifies himself. And in verse 38, he asks, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? We'll come back to this in a moment. He said in verse 39, to to calm them, to ease their fears and confusion. He said in verse 39, see my hands and my feet. He was not just a spirit. He had a body. He was not a disembodied spirit. No, he had hands and feet. And yet there is a heresy 
still taught by some that Jesus did not have a real body, but it just appeared that he did. No, he was fully human, fully divine, took that body with him to heaven, will come back in the body to earth. He has a body and a soul. Jesus is fully human, fully divine. So it was not a ghost. And he encouraged them again in verse 39, touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. He invites them to touch him. And at one point they did. Maybe more than one point. But at least at one point they did, and I don't know if it was here, but 1 John 1, 1 says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. 1 John 1, verse 1. Jesus accommodated them to their weakness. Thank God he does. Still does that. In verse 40, he showed them his hands and his feet. The scars were there. The scars he had received while being crucified. They still did not believe at this point. For joy, verse 41 says, for joy. It was almost too good to be true. They marveled, verse 41. He asked if they had food. They gave him a piece of fish, which he ate. This is not a ghost. It was a man in a body, able to eat. But now, return to what I want to emphasize in this section in verse 38, where Jesus asks them, why they doubt. Why do you doubt? You see, we really have no reason to doubt. There are things that bother us and we let them make us doubt. But there's actually no reason The Lord has given us the truth. It's clear. So why doubt? We don't have any excuses. The Lord has revealed himself in creation and providence and in his word. And we are responsible to respond to that. But as human beings, as we come into this world, we tend to suppress the truth. In unrighteousness. The truth is hard to take. But yes, yet we must. The truth stings. We find the truth of the Word of God telling us we are sinners. We would like to think better of ourselves. We find correction in the Word of God. We get correction from other people. 
Sometimes we don't at first like that too much. People pointing out our faults. Sometimes we don't like it for a long time. The truth is the truth. But we need to face up to it. And when we face up to the first part of the truth, that we are sinners, then we need to face up to the second part of the truth, there is a Savior. And then again, we would like to think, I don't need to be saved. I'm just fine, thank you. I can eat and breathe and I can feed myself and I can go do my work. But no, we're lost. (laughs) And we need a Savior. Our natural propensity is to doubt. It arises again and again in our Christian life. We have to fight it all through our lives. We have to recognize this. We have to plan to do something about it. Because we don't want to live in constant doubt. Especially when we know we have a great and good God and Savior. And He is on our side, and we Christians are on His side. So Jesus asks them, why doubt? He would ask me that tonight. He would ask you that tonight. Why doubt? And secondly, he encourages us and says, believe the words. First, why doubt? Secondly, believe the words. In verse 44, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Believe the words. He had already taught them these words in verse 44. These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. I gave you those words before I was crucified and resurrected, he said. The Gospels record where Jesus had predicted this. You know, the words are not hard to understand. Lawless men are going to take me and crucify me. And on the third day, I'm going to arise from the dead, he said. Those words are easy, but there's a lot more involved, isn't there? They were looking for a different kind of Messiah. They were looking for political help. They didn't hear him clearly. We want the Bible to say certain things for us. We want people to say certain things to us. We're listening for it. We want our spouse to say certain things for our friends, our relatives. We long to hear them say certain things to us. We're anxious to hear that. And sometimes we're so anxious to hear those certain things that we don't hear what is said. And that gets us in trouble. It takes us off the right pathway. We need to hear what the Bible actually says. 
lives. So watch out for grids. Is there a grid through which you see God's word? Are you sure that grid is right? We need to take God's word for what it is, what it actually says. Let the Bible speak for itself. With all my prejudices, with all my training and learning and experiences and what others have taught me and what my pastors have taught me, I have to be careful. And so do we all. In verse 44, Jesus explained that the Old Testament prophecies concerning himself had to be fulfilled. Written about me, he says. The Old Testament written about me, the law, Genesis, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They spoke of me and the prophets, uh, what we call the major prophets and the minor prophets. And then the Psalms, which represented the writings, the other Old Testament books. The whole Old Testament spoke of me, he said. And he was teaching them that. Teaching there isn't as clear as it is in the New Testament, of course, but it's enough, it's enough for Jesus to be disappointed with his disciples when they didn't understand it from the Old Testament. We have much more light in the New Testament. It was about him. It wasn't about keeping the law for salvation. It was about keeping the law to show your thankfulness, the obedience of faith, evangelical obedience. But it doesn't teach us that we are saved by our works, of course, even the Old Testament. Jesus taught them the gospel from the Old Testament. Now, though in this section Jesus doesn't explicitly say, believe the words, he certainly implies it. I spoke these words to you, he is saying. I explained to you about myself in the Old Testament, so why didn't you believe them? Why are you surprised? Believe those words. Believe the words of the Scriptures. If you ask a Reformed Christian today, do you believe the Bible is the Word of God? Every one of us would say yes. Of course. Are you serious? Is the infallible, the inerrant, Word of God. I believe it from cover to cover. It's given to us by the Holy Spirit. Of course we would. But in subtle ways, we show our lack of belief from time to time. We too have this shortcoming. And so we need to apply diligence 
in reading, meditating upon, and hearing the word. Jesus is telling us to listen. As my grade school teachers and my high school teachers were constantly telling us, listen, listen, listen. I was so glad when I got to college and nobody said listen. They didn't care. You can come to class, you can, you can not come. You can study hard, you can not study hard. You can pass, you can fail. I'm just a professor. You're responsible. But you know, that was good for me. And I'm so thankful for those teachers who said, listen. They were right. And that's what Jesus is saying. Take time. Use your brain. Put forth effort. And I know this is nothing new to you. I I realize that. I'm just reinforcing it. It's easy for us to go through the motions of our daily devotions and even of worship when our pastors preach to us. It's so easy for us to take it for granted and not concentrate. We We have all this stuff is going on in our minds up here. When we come into the place of worship, it's life. It's difficult. And we have to draw ourselves back. And, and, and that's good. That, that's okay. We're human. We fail sometimes. We strive for better. When I was a teenager, we heard our music on the radio and vinyl discs. And so we would take these vinyl discs and our record players, and uh, they were called records, and we'd play them over and over and over again. And so the words would ring in our minds. They were stuck there. You know, I mean, you wake up and sleep at night, Wake up from sleep and there they go, you know. Uh, my wife was telling me on the way over here this, this afternoon that she was hearing a sermon, not mine. She was hearing a sermon and the minister was talking about the temptation of Jesus and he said, Jesus answered all the temptations with scripture, as you know. His mind, the mind of Jesus, was saturated with Scripture. How do you get saturated? You you get bathed in it, don't you? So you replay that record over and over again. But here I am, 74, and I can't memorize anything, right? Repetition. Bathed in the Word of God. And when we know what it says, then we have to believe it. And in order to believe it, we have to have a conviction in our hearts that this book is the truth of God. We have to be convicted of that. We can't be playing games with God. He won't put up with it. It's not always easy to believe what this Word says to us. For example, despise not, despise not the discipline of the Lord. 
That's a good word from the Bible. That's a good word from the mouth of the Lord. And it's difficult. Despise not the discipline of the Lord. One of the first things we want to do is is rebel. Why me? Why me? The word of God humbles us. And that's hard. But the word of God encourages us too. And it tells us there's grace to be found in the Lord. There's grace for you. And God loves the sinner. Secondly, believe the words. Thirdly, Jesus opened their minds. First, why doubt? Secondly, believe the words. And thirdly, now Jesus opened their minds. We have a problem that is spiritual. We are spiritually dead as we come into this world and we need help. So Jesus enabled these 10 apostles and these other believers. Verse 45, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Like I said before, I I understand there's a comma there, but not in all translations. I'm taking it for a hard stop. Okay, that ends my text for this evening, so it's a hard stop for me. He opened their minds, their understanding, again, an intensive form of the word opened. He opened fully, he opened completely their minds to understand. They had not been able to understand. And so... We get a first-time opening of the mind when the Spirit causes us to be born again. But the Spirit continues to open things up to us and illuminate us as we study the Word and hear it preached. So this is not a physical problem. It can be. You know, that's why we have dictionaries, Bible dictionaries and commentaries and preachers, uh, so that we can understand these things, fellow Christians. It can be a a literal problem with the definition of the words. But it is also a spiritual problem. We are hindered by our own sinful nature and by Satan and by the allurements of the world to not understand the message as it's given to us. Now, these guys had Jesus present with them and we envy them. Um, We don't have Jesus present with us physically, but we have him present with us spiritually. And actually, Jesus said to them, it's to your advantage that I go away because I'll send the the, uh, spirit to you, the comforter, the advocate, the counselor. So, you know, we're, we're not that bad off, are we? Thank the Lord. He taught his disciples what would happen to him after he left them and said the Spirit would come. The natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit of God. But the spiritual man, the spiritual woman who has the Holy Spirit in them is able to by his illumination. And this is where 
prayers come in. This is why it's so absolutely necessary for prayer. For the Spirit's understanding and the Spirit's work. You have it before every sermon that's preached here. You have it at every Bible study. You have it at every family devotion. You have it at every one of your private devotions. Your study is accompanied by prayer, and that's so necessary. It cannot be overestimated. And this work is spiritual. It is invisible. The word mystical was used this morning. It is mystical. It is invisible, but it is. And it works. It is divine. So pray. Your pastor's work hard on their sermons. They study a great deal. They have libraries. They work. But they know, and we all know, that you could study, one could study 40 hours for one sermon. And without the blessing and illumination of the Spirit, it would not work. It would never work. And so we cannot overestimate the need to pray to Him. And we need to understand the Scriptures because they give us words of life. They give us help in our time of need. They point us to Jesus Christ again and again. They remind us that He will never leave us nor forsake us. They give us practical wisdom for every problem we have. That's why we need this. That's why we need the Spirit to illuminate us. See, we're so helpless on our own. We can't believe and be saved on our own. We can't walk with the Lord on our own. We can't understand the Scriptures on our own. We can't believe in Jesus Christ on our own. We must be born again and have our minds changed. So Jesus opened their minds. He was sympathetic to his followers. He loves his followers. He loves us. He knows our weaknesses. He ministers to them. He opens our minds. He wants us to know. He wants us to understand. He wants us to follow him. So we need to pray to our God in heaven. To give us more light, more insight, more teachability, more of Jesus, and less of self. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, forgive us our doubts. Open our minds to the rich treasures of grace that are found in Christ, your Son. And by your Spirit, Lord, help us to understand and follow the message of your Holy Word. Amen.